Yo, what's up? I'm Hal in Philly, and this is my podcast, Tales of the Road Warriors. Thanks for listening. Before we get into the show, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the world. My podcast coach and mentor, David Cooper, author of the book Big Podcast, recently suggested that our obligation as podcasters during this time of self-isolation, quarantine, social distancing, shortages of food and essential services and supplies, is to provide some levity, some moments of positivity and and be an oasis in the midst of a media landscape that's littered with bad news, sensational headlines, conspiracy theories, and pessimistic projections. Well, look, my friends, we all know that 2020 has been a very rough year, but I think, uh, you know, once we get past the, the pandemic and the quarantine and the, and the uh, murder hornets, things, things are going to get good again. What the fuck? Was that Godzilla? Well, I hope you're hanging in there. I know these past couple of months have been increasingly wearing us down. We're all trying to deal with this the best we can, and some are handling it better than others. There's a lot of depression going on around here, and I know for me it's the first time in a long time I haven't had a dog, and I'm not in a relationship. This podcast is my passion project, and it's what keeps me busy and sane, because doing this instills a sense of purpose in the world. So today, as an antidote, I offer a spoonful of sugar in the form of a conversation with my old friend Henry Phillips. To be honest, I'm not sure who is interviewing who. That's why I don't like to use the word interview. It's really just a conversation between friends. So here's a little bit about Henry Phillips, just to familiarize you with his body of work. I first became aware of him when he was performing in a in uh, coffee houses and comedy clubs throughout the uh, Los Angeles area. His songs are scathingly funny, but kind of off the beaten path. He's what you might call an acquired taste. His delivery is very deadpan, so he acts as if he is completely unaware of how funny he is. But once you pick up on his rhythm, his shtick and his lyrics are side-splittingly hilarious. I was hosting a songwriter showcase at the Chimney Sweep in Sherman Oaks. Uh, This was like in the early 90s. After reading a review of Henry Phillips by Jonathan Widrin in Music Connection magazine, I decided to track Henry down and invite him to perform at the sweep. After that, we started hanging out now and then. Eventually, Henry branched into filmmaking. I found this out when in 2006, shortly after I moved back to Philly, I was searching YouTube to see what Henry had been up to since I'd last seen him. In addition to discovering a few new songs, I came across a web series he had filmed for IFC called The Loner, where he portrays a guy who hangs out with a cool, good-looking, smooth-talking buddy of his that has an easy time picking up girls in bars. But when Henry, after observing his friend run the game on a lady, he tries to emulate him, the results are the direct opposite, and as they say, hilarity ensues. Henry has also written an award-winning independent film called Punching the Clown, and it was followed by a sequel a few years later called Punching Henry. I highly recommend both of these movies, and now that we're sequestered indoors, you can check them out later after you finish listening to this podcast. Punching the Clown is uh, for rent on Amazon for, I think, $3.99. Punching Henry, if you subscribe to Showtime, you can watch it for free. His later endeavors include a cooking show 
It's a spoof called Henry's Kitchen, where you can learn to prepare scrumptious dishes such as isolation cupboard casserole and meatloaf for one. The most recent Henry Phillips project is a new series on Patreon titled The Highwayman. As the highwayman, Henry travels the nation's highways encountering motorists in trouble where he stops to offer assistance. Having absolutely no mechanical skills whatsoever, he often leaves them in more of a lurch than they were in before he came along. All right, well, I think I've told you more than enough. Come on and sit in on my conversation now with the one and only Henry Phillips. Well, I was flipping through the channels on the TV set last night. Thank you. When I came across some TV preacher guy And he was talking about some prophecies And I think I heard him say That tomorrow was the end of the world So then I went into my kitchen And I reached for the top shelf And I grabbed the finest wine that I could find Cause there's no need to save the finer things for later anymore Since tomorrow is the end of the world so yeah, yeah it's been a, it's been scary. a minute since I last talked to you. Oh oh, I know why. Uh, you gave me seven four zero two, and it looks like it's six four zero two. Yeah, it is six four zero two. Oh, I gave you seven four zero two. Yeah, that's what the problem was there. Oh shit, that's another podcast <laughs> for some <laughs> old right. lady with a, with a big phone with big <laughs> numbers on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad nobody answered. That would have been just delayed things even more but uh anyway man but what did you say uh oh yeah yeah it's been a long time i mean it's got to have been about 25 years right at least that but uh i remember, I remember you I, you had the chimney sweep yeah i was hosting you well I, I think he just hired me to play on sunday nights and somehow it gradually turned into like a showcase and then people started coming in and if, asked if they could play a song so it sort of became like an open mic slash showcase but then yeah. it started to get to the point where I, I needed to, like, get some really good people in there. And, you know, I always was reading Music Connection magazine. And somebody reviewed you for Music Connection. Yeah, Jonathan Widren, I think, was the guy's name. It might have been. Um, <laughs> it's been a long time. But I, I said, I've memorized everybody who's ever written up about me. wonder what happened to him. Is that still around? I think it is could find guitar players or drummers or whatever it was. Oh, yeah, it was great. Band. So anyway, whoever reviewed you, I, re- I read the review. I'm like, I got to meet this guy. And then that's well, oh, yeah. I, I went out of my way to find you. Yeah, that was, those were fun times. Um, the Chimney Sweep, I went in there for uh, Halloween, and uh, it hasn't changed much. I got to give them credit. They've kept it almost exactly like if you walked in there, there'd be very little in there that would tell you that it wasn't. 2020 you know oh i know because uh millie the waitress to this day she still works there and she's one of my facebook friends so she's always posting pictures yeah it looks the same they had that big like fireplace or something in the middle of it and um yeah it's really cool i remember your uh songs that were on dr demento like johnny needs to get laid it was a great song i forgot he played that yeah. I know he played I Met Santa on the internet, but I forgot oh, yeah. Johnny yeah. needs to get laid. Uh, I recorded. Maybe he didn't. I, don't, I just remember that you gave me uh, your, 
your cassette tape, and I thought it was great. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's how long ago that was. It was like no CDs. We were just doing cassette tapes. I can't believe you even remember Johnny Needs to Get Laid. I recorded that with Andy Kahn, the keyboard player from the Turtles, at his little studio in Laurel Canyon. Yeah, it, it sounds great. I'll be damned. It's a great song. Yeah, you should play it for the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe I will now. You can drop it in. Yeah, since I can't really play anybody else's song, I don't have like a licensing uh, thing to play other other people's songs. So that's why it's just like a talk. This is like a just a talk only format. And then at yeah. the end, I play like a little piece of one of my songs called "I'm Gone for a Drive" because it fits that yeah. Road Warrior theme, you know. You also had some great stories. I think you're the one who told me that. Did you used to work at um, Jerry's Deli? Yeah, oh yeah. And you told me a story about Marlon Brando. Oh yeah. <laughs> I still tell people that story. That's a great one. Yeah, well what happened was um you know, you know they say you, sh- you shouldn't meet your heroes. That like it was a exact uh you know, <laughs> yeah. that, that was the epitome of why you should not want to meet your heroes. Oh yeah. It was like yeah, it was like That's 3 great. o'clock in the morning. We were counting our tips, and, and like people who put their tips on a credit card, we had to go up front to the cashier to get to, you know to get our cash. She oh, add, yeah. That's she'd cool. add up the tips on the credit card and give us that much in cash. So I went up to get that, and I was going to bring it back to the bar. And while I was waiting for her to add that up, in walks this old couple. He just looked like a little Jewish man. Well, actually, he's pretty tall. And then behind him was this little old woman, and then I thought, that's Marlon Brando because I had just seen a picture of him and his little Indian wife in a picture like in a magazine. Oh, yeah. So I went back to the bar and I'm like, Dave, I think, I think Marlon Brando just walked in. And this waiter who was there just waiting for one of, a drink to bring to his table goes, where, where? He's all excited. This guy from Hawaii, whose name was John. And uh, I said, I don't, know, I don't know what section he sat in, but uh, I'm pretty sure it was him. So then, like, five minutes later, John comes back swearing under, like, really mad. He goes, I hate that guy. I hate that fucking guy. Like, <laughs> who? He says, Marlon Brando. I said, did you say something to him? <laughs> he says, well, he wasn't sitting in my section, but I, I went up to him and I said, I, I hate to bother you. And, and then he said, well, then don't. <laughs> oh, that is hard. So he went from like being a super fan to like <laughs> the super anti fan. Oh yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, that reminds me of two stories that happened at Jerry's Deli. I was there, and uh, it was probably about you know maybe ninety two or ninety three or something like that. And uh, I had seen Adam Sandler on uh, Remote Control. And then I also noticed that he was on Saturday Night Live. He did some segment during the news. Right. And most most people hadn't, unless you watched SNL that particular night, you wouldn't know who Adam Sandler was. But if you did, then you definitely would. He was like overnight famous if you watched him on Saturday Night And he, uh, he was sitting like at one table over, he and uh, Rob Schneider. I only knew, because I happened to watch SNL that week and it was like the the first episode of the new season with those guys i was with a few of my friends i said uh i said hey those guys are on saturday night live and they looked and they're like no they're not yeah no i saw them on the first 
show of the new season. And they're like, no, they're not. And, and I remember getting in a big argument with my friends going, if you guys didn't watch it, then you wouldn't know that that was them. And then I said, I'm going to go up to them and ask. And then, uh, my friends were like, no, that's a, that's a lame thing to do to go up to somebody, a celebrity. And I said, well, then you're saying that they're a celebrity. So it pissed me off. But anyway, finally the whole mystery was revealed because this waitress comes by and she's pretty cute. And she goes, she's like, can, can I get you guys anything else? And then Sandler says, uh, do you recognize us? And the girl's like, no. Because remember, back in those days, there were only three channels, so it was more likely that people were going to recognize you if you did something big. Right. And, um, yeah, they were like, we're on Saturday Night Live. And the girl's like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they were trying to hit on the waitress, which she hadn't seen. You know, I'm sure things got a lot better for them over the next several weeks, but uh, that was pretty crazy to see these two guys just sitting there and nobody had any idea yet who they were. That's funny. Yeah, I, I, I actually walked into a, a party that Adam Sandler threw in the bowling alley next door after one of his movies. Oh, wow. I think it might have been Fifty First Dates, but he had like a chocolate fountain, oh, and wow. all. I like walked through. I just I, I wasn't invited or anything, but since I worked there, I was <laughs> able to just walk into the bowling alley. The guard just let me in, so I walked through and saw everybody who's anybody, and then walked out again because like, what was I going to say? Wait, right? What year would that have been? Probably around that that time. Wait, no, what would have been? Well, no, no earlier than that. Started doing because, movies until uh, yeah, no, it was like two thousand and three. Oh yeah, no, because this was something. back was in it? like ninety. Yeah, ninety three. Yeah, yeah. This this was after that. Yeah, and then the other one. This one's crazy. I was sitting across from uh, this girl. I could see that she was with her family. She was with at least one kid, maybe two kids. And uh, she was the mother and the wife. And there was uh, somebody whose back was to me, and they were in the booth. And I kept looking at this girl. She had red hair, and I was like, that's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. Not just, not just externally, but she had a beautiful thing going on from the inside. She just seemed amazing. And I was like, wow, whoever that guy is. He's got to be a very lucky guy. And so when I was leaving, I finally got a chance to turn around, and it was John Ritter. And uh, I guess that was Amy Asbeck, his, uh, his uh, wife. Right. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was, Jerry Stelly was great because you'd see famous people there. Uh, you know, it's funny, though, though, and I was just talking, I forget who I was talking about this recently with, but because I, I live in Philadelphia now. And when I lived yeah. in LA, it was anytime you saw somebody who looked like somebody famous, it usually was them. When I come back yeah. to Philly and you see like a lot of doppelgangers here, like people who look like famous people. <laughs> yeah. And I would walk up to them and go, you know, you remind me of, and I'd say like the name and they like, who like, they're just totally unimpressed by celebrities in Philadelphia. They, unless you're, yeah. fa unless you're a famous football or baseball player, like they're really in the yeah. sports here. That's funny. And it's like, so I can't relate to a lot of people in Philadelphia <laughs> because they're like total sports fans. And I'm like, so not into sports. I didn't get that gene. Oh, yeah. Same here. Not at all. You know, uh, Mark Cohen? He shares the same name as you. Yeah, but I, he, I spell it C-O-H-E-N. He spells it C-O-H-N. 
Oh, wait, you're talking about Marcone, no, no. the comic. C-O-H-E-N. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, I was From thinking it's Marcone, the, uh, the the singer. Yeah, Marcone, he's he's hilarious, that guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a good buddy of mine. Uh, he's got a really funny joke about, uh, yeah, every time my parents come to L.A., they think everybody's famous. Oh, look, you know, uh, there's, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, there's Clint Eastwood. Mom, that's not Clint Eastwood. You know? It's like, oh, well, there's... Uh, Paul Newman. No, Mom, that's not Paul Newman. Oh, look at our waiter. It's Potsy from Happy Days. No, Mom, that's... Oh, wait, you're right. That is Potsy from Happy Days. It's funny you mentioned Happy Days. Did, 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 do you happen to listen to any episodes of this podcast yet? Not yet. No, I haven't. But oh, okay, because there's a story I tell about Donnie Most. I call, it's called The Devil and Donnie Most. It's only like eight minutes long. Oh, yeah? Most of my oh, episodes great. are like a 40 minutes to an hour, but this is only yeah. like eight minutes. I didn't have a guest. I thought, I'm just going to do a short tale of the Road Warriors, just one little one without a guest, tell a story, and that was it. So, yeah. So look for that one, because I don't want to tell it again. No. I will. Yeah, yeah, Donnie Most. But it's hilarious. You'll like it. He's part of Hollywood history, yeah. It's, I even, you know what, I posted it on Twitter, and Donnie Most actually saw the post, and he wrote, glad I could help. <laughs> yeah, that's that's hilarious. That's great, because like nowadays with Twitter, it's made people so accessible. I did a tweet about uh, the song Africa by Toto, and it was, it was kind of making fun of the lyrics being really silly. And I got a response from, Steve Lukather, the guitar player from Toto, going, yeah, yeah, I know, they're stupid lyrics, but we made a lot of money off it. Wow. I got news for you. You know, my girlfriend for like 10 years was a Jerry's famous deli waitress who's good friends with Bobby Kimball from Toto. And oh, I, wow. I spent that two, was a singer, right? Yeah, I spent two Thanksgiving at Bobby's house. Isn't it amazing? Like when you think back to the mid '90s, what a different time that was. Because you know we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have, uh, like you said, even CDs. You know, it's like there were some people that had a CD rig where you could put it in the cassette player of your car. And, but you know, for the most part, we were just all listening to the same radio and uh, you know commercials. I mean. It's just such like the only world that was happening was the one that was right in front of you. It's not like you were connected to anybody in New York. New York might as well have been another planet or something, you know. It's like, but now everybody, you know, all the comics in New York, we know what they're doing over there because we listen to their podcasts. And well, that brings I up even a think good it's point. Funny people talk the same. No, but well, yeah. yeah, yeah. The language has changed. <laughs> the abbreviations yeah. and the way people just write things down has changed. Whoever thought oh, it would be yeah. like LOL and use the number two for the word T-O-O, T-O, T-W-O, doesn't matter. I know. Yeah, it's crazy. So we're all working our way toward total illiteracy now. Oh, yeah, totally. So have you written a song about that yet? I don't think so. <laughs> but uh, I have a new song called Oops. Oops. Well, no, what am I saying? New song. It's almost 10 years old now, but it's new for us. It just talks about like major screw ups, and I just say, well, just say oops and move on. Ah, you spilled a hundred million gallons of oil in the Gulf. Say oops and move on. And then, uh, you know, I I keep wanting to update it, but you know, I don't I don't like to do anything that either somebody dies or it's too heavy. So I, I, what's funny is a lot of those lyrics are 
they still work. You know, there's a lot about the environment. And oh, yeah. The, uh, and global then, warming. And, and then there was, you know, mass unemployment. Well, I guess unemployment's one of the few things that's actually going all right. We, of course, we have to hear that every day from these guys. But, yeah. Well, yeah. And then doing a verse in, in Spanish, of course, is much more poignant now. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. No, yeah. The, uh, and it's a very similar, uh, that, that translates to uh, um, civil rights being violated in the... Uh, Spanish-speaking communities here in California. Yeah. Anyway, and, um, I'll get off that. I yeah. don't want to make this a political show. <laughs> I'm very yeah, careful exactly. not to. Oh, what I was going to say, though, is about the Oops song. Um, every now and then there's just a gift. And, and out here, I don't know if this was a national story, but there was a Delta airline that literally just dumped air, airline fuel all over a playground. And nobody died or anything, but the kids got, you know, nauseous from all the fumes and stuff like that. Now there's a big lawsuit going on. Oops. Yeah, that that was, uh, oops, <laughs> sorry I dumped airline fuel all over your playground. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, what are you doing, man? <laughs> it's a good thing none of those kids are smoking. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> if, they'd have, if they'd have dumped it at the chimney sweep in 95... That would have been a different story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally different story. <laughs> Big oops. Yeah. So, so anyway, like 2004 or five when I moved back to Philly, you know, I, I Googled you. It might not have been the year I moved back, but at some point. And then that's where I came across your um, when, uh, your episodes of The Loser. W what year did you do Oh, that? yeah. Uh, so we shot those in uh, 99, I think. And um, they finally went up on this IFC website because IFC had this thing where they were going to start trying to do this novel concept of showing internet movies on the internet, you know, like little short films. And they started on their website. But everybody's connection was so bad that nobody could watch these things. I had friends and I'm like, hey, you have the internet? Well, you should check out this these shorts that we made that we were really proud of. We were hoping they were going to show them on TV. I love those. Well, I, I guess I was fortunate because I always had a good internet connection uh, when most people were still struggling with, you know, like yeah. those modems. And I would post it links to early. it on Facebook and like, I would never get any likes or comments. I'm like, am I the only <laughs> one who gets this yeah. sense of humor? It's like, well, that could be too. But um, yeah, those were all based on real things that happened to me in bars back in the nineties. I remember, Specifically, I was out with a buddy of mine who was always really smooth with the ladies. And there was one time when he, uh, this beautiful girl comes up between us and says, uh, and tries to order a drink. My buddy's like, he was a New Yorker too, so he's like, you know what, get out of here, lady. And then she's in, in the beginning, she's really upset. And he's like, I mean, my buddy and I are out here, we're single guys, we're trying to forget about the girls that have broken our hearts. And then you come in with this beautiful, hair and the way you your scent of jasmine and all this amazing feminine stuff and just while we're trying to forget we're just going to respectfully ask you to just leave us alone and and she thought he was charming and they started <laughs> hitting it off and then another girl comes up and i was trying to do the same line and this girl comes up to order a drink and i go you know what just get out of here <laughs> She's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, just the way you smell, the way you look, just everything about you. Just want you to get out of here. And she's like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> you <laughs> didn't quite like, master the art of the neg. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I definitely nagged, but uh, not in a good way because she was just like, screw you. And then she walked away. But then, so that's what a lot of these things are. But uh, eventually, I think IFC changed hands and I tried to track down whoever the person was that, that owned them or whatever. They didn't even have any memory of it or anything. They were the ones who paid for it because we did it through them. So eventually, I was like, screw it. And I just put them up on YouTube. You still you still have the uh, the films though, right? The, the VHS tape or something. I think the only or real to real. Yeah, yeah. What's it recorded VHS, on? Yeah, there's VHS on them somewhere. I don't know where the masters would be. I guess the master would have been on digital video. Well, I they better not be lost because they're long. they're brilliant. Yeah, it was it was shot on uh, whatever digital video they were using back in like '99. That was still sort of cinematic. Yeah, I don't know if the raw footage is out there, but the, definitely the masters are on YouTube now. They're called the Loner, and there's like five of them. Yeah, they're like I remember. I remember all of them. My favorite is probably yeah, the one with the quarters. The, the, the last one. The oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The quarters. <laughs> when I finally get something right and I start getting really good at it, and I come back and I'm like, "Hey, who wants to take me on?" And then this dude. uh thinks that I want to kick his ass and so we go outside and I'm like where are your quarters I always like those kind of playing the character of the guy who gets his ass kicked or just you know the loser basically it was always my favorite there's a genius in, in the way you play that whole thing deadpan and, <laughs> oh, and and twist the words yeah I always like that kind of stuff so are, are, um, you, are you have you written any new songs or, or are you pretty much focused on well, doing the, the cooking the only, show. I have, I have a website. Yeah, I have my cooking show, Henry's Kitchen, and uh, I did put an album out for the soundtrack of that. So I created uh, this alternative, uh, or what do they call it, an alter ego songwriter named Jose Suicidio. And uh, I, uh, I just write songs for that now, and that's kind of my outlet for music. Cause I don't really do the comedy music as much anymore but i do it through that and uh that's been pretty fun so i have all these like over the top depressing songs like help me make it through the night and uh <laughs> you know um like what are some of the other ones i have help me god help me <laughs> <They're all laughs> are you, like are you still are you still Hold performing me. in comedy clubs or, or clubs there's something wrong with me uh, yeah, every now and then. I did one uh, a couple weeks ago in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Uh, I'll be honest with you, though, I, I don't. Uh, it's really rough out there. There's like 10 times as many people doing it now than there were when I started. So I'm competing a lot more. The money's gone down just because of supply and demand. It's easier for them to get somebody local than to fly somebody in from L.A. So I, I'm, I'm looking for other things to do, and filmmaking is a big part of it. Um, but I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't say no to, to a comedy club, but I'm not actively seeking out that kind of work as much as I did for 20 years. Cause that was, that was all I did to pay the bills. Yeah. When, when, really no, when you were at the it. height of your comedy, um, like, did you tour? Like, did you ever play Philly? Philly. I'm trying to remember. I remember going through there. I know we have a club here I'm called Helium that a lot of people play. Yeah, no, I, I went through there, I think before. For helium, it's funny. I remember. No, you know what? No, I never did Philly. I I was picturing Pittsburgh. I did Pittsburgh a couple of times. But uh, well, if you could picture Pittsburgh, then you just state. pictured Philadelphia as well. They're, 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 
they, yeah, they're they similar, look like but that. I guess Pittsburgh Pittsburgh is a little bit more of a, a borderline Midwestern city, right? Yeah, I, I was kidding. Yeah, it's, it's, it's closer to Ohio. It, it, Pittsburgh yeah. may as well be in Ohio. Yeah, it's kind of East versus Midwest, you know, it's kind of two different things. But Philly's got, uh, uh, what am I saying? Um, well, Philly's got a lot of amazing comics from there. Paul F. Tompkins is one of my favorites. Brennan Walsh. And uh, there's a bunch of other ones. Oh, is isn't Vo- Todd Glass from Philly? He may be. How, what about Voss? Is Voss Philly or Jersey? I forget. Uh, I feel like he's Jersey, but I'm not sure. Uh, Maybe New York even. Uh, but uh, but Pittsburgh's got a lot of great ones too. Uh, Anthony Jesselnick more recently. My buddy he's Jesse good. Joyce. I think, uh, what's his face, Billy Gardell is from there. I mean, you know who I've been following on Twitter? I don't know where he's, I forget where he's from originally. It's uh, Steve Hofstetter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Hofstetter. Yeah, I've, I've known him. Because he has a thing where he deals with hecklers. He's, he's, that's his, like, his oh, yeah. forte is dealing with hecklers. Yeah. Well, I've definitely had my share of them. If you burn through your act a little more fluidly, they, they, they kind of don't, they pipe down. I think it's, I used to have a lot of really long, intentional pauses because I was going for comedic effect, but those are a little tough to pull off. Right. I remember when you did it in the chimney sweep and you were still dealing with those people, people coming into the sweep to just drink and and you would do. Oh yeah. Well, and also if you're not paying attention, then it would sound like I was just some guy in the background with their music, you know? So (laughs) it really kind of required that you had to sit there and pay attention, which is tough. tough I think, Working at the chimney sweep caused caused us both to start drinking heavily. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember one night that I was there. Well, for people out there listening, if you ever get to LA, you got to go to the chimney sweep because it really is kind of a part of history. Like literally, if you walk in there, there's very little that's going to make you think that you're you've gone past the the nineties. I remember seeing Pablo Francisco in there one time. It was an amazing comic. Uh, but uh, I really liked it. It was kind of homey and sort of divey, and uh, it was really easy to meet people. No, it was a good place to just go to. If you would have just hide out, you could sit yeah. behind the fireplace there, and nobody would even know you're there, and you could sit and have your drinks. And if you saw somebody you want to meet, you get up, and it's a real casual place. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I um, I used to drink a lot. I, uh, <laughs> I, I do still. I like to throw down a couple of beers, but it's a lot less than it used to. That's for sure. Yeah, it takes me a lot but, less know, to you're get. You're vulnerable when you're 28 years old. You know, it's just like there's nothing stopping you. And it's the only way you're going to meet girls and stuff like that, unless you go to a square dance. Uh, so if you're concentrating party. mostly on, on films now, have you stopped playing altogether or, or you pick it up sometimes or write your own soundtracks? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I love messing with music. Another thing is that um, I have a new project that's called Highway Man, and it's basically just about a guy who, uh, you know, short film series you know, on the web about a guy who goes around and sees stranded motorists on the highway, kind of in the vein of Highway to Heaven, you know, with Michael Landon. But the difference is, like, I don't know anything about cars or what the hell I'm doing. And I usually wind up making their situation worse by the time I leave. And, uh, but yeah, I, I had a lot of fun writing a theme song for it and I'll be doing some music score for it. 
but I don't really do it just for fun as much as I used to. I like playing and everything, but I don't know. I just uh, haven't really had a lot of occasion to do it. It's not that I don't like it, but there's just so many other things that I like more. Like, I love editing. I love filming stuff. But I have a lot of musician friends that it's their life, you know. They'll show up to a bar where there's a blues band and then sit in on some jam sessions and stuff. And there's some really good ones out here. Oh, yeah. There's a place called Canners on Tuesday nights. Well, you know Canners. Remember that? Of course. Um, Canners Deli. And it, they have the Kibitz Room, which is a bar. And well, I'm got, familiar. Uh, Jacob Dylan used to Tuesday play there night. all the time. I don't, does he still? I'll bet. Yeah, probably. I mean, uh, on Tuesday nights, it's a big night there. And it's, it's amazing. I like those guys, but I don't feel like I'm as hungry as they are in terms of wanting to play music. You know who's an amazing guy that you should know. You you might already know who he is, but he there's two guys with the same name. But this guy's a singer songwriter named Eric Schwartz. He's um, he's a great singer songwriter, and uh, but he's there a lot of the Tuesday nights. He's also a great musician as well. If there's a spontaneous jam session at a friend's place that's got a few guitars, I'll do that. I think I just did that on Saturday night. But uh, or a lot of times if somebody's a singer and they have a guitar nearby, I'll pick it up and start. To, throwing some chords behind them. Back in the day, or even now, I guess more back in the day, this is more like a back in the day kind of question. Because you were like, you could have considered yourself a singer-songwriter or a comic. Like, So you could go to an open mic that was like a music open mic or yeah. a comedy open mic. Um, and yeah. I was just curious, do you ever... So I, basically, I would just drink twice as much. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was out every night instead of three times a week. Yeah, there was never anything, any night that I couldn't do one or the other. Now, do you ever go to one where like they have they mix it up? Like they don't care music, spoken word, comedy. Did you ever go to one um, of those where like anything yeah, goes? Yeah, oh yeah, the Highland Grounds was like that. Uh, Highland Grounds on Fairfax was sort of, or, or not? No, that was on Highland, of course. And then there was a thing called Espresso Yourself Night that they used to do in Pasadena. Right. Yeah, you could just do anything you want, but a lot of them were like that. The Crooked Bar was one, and and so a lot of times I'd go there and I'd meet the comics and the musicians. And I, I don't know, I just kind of fit. In a weird way, it was nice because I was right in the middle, so I didn't really step on anything that anybody else was doing. So musicians would uh, would accept me if I was performing on the same night as they were because they, they, it, it wasn't like I was a threat and the same with comedians but my big break was when uh, Doug Stanhope started taking me out on the road with him back in 99 and kind of for that very reason because it was a music act so there wasn't a chance that there was anything that I was doing that was going to interfere right well because it had been my experience that a music open mic should just stick like open mics need to be one or the other the the places where they did both it was really hard to get an audience to pay attention to you because like the comics would watch each other the musicians would watch each other but the comics wouldn't pay attention to the music that much and the musicians weren't paying attention to the comics that much. it was yeah. kind of was kind of really hard to get get the audience to focus in those kind of situations. Yeah, that's true. And everybody in the audience is just sort of waiting for their own performance time, so they're not really paying attention to anything. They're just trying to run over their set in their heads, you know. And I found, too, that 
when I attempted to go to a a comedy open mic and I played it like like I met Sand on the internet and uh, Johnny needs to get light like I actually did okay, but I just never I didn't continue to write. Well, I mean, uh, but your songs were also pretty bouncy and and had a good you know like toe tapping feel to it. So you know that like that one's a that would be oh yeah must have had a great time last one. night. Always went pretty well. Yeah, good good one to get people in the mood. It was mine because I was trying to make fun of that whole seven and four songwriter thing. It was kind of tough because people, it was kind of music people didn't like anyway. So I was just sort of like, I got to make sure that people know I'm joking here. Yeah, well, plus, you know, you write at a certain intelligence level. So I guess you have to. Yeah, you have to be in that, um, in that, like standing on the shoulders of freaks. Not everybody's going to get that right away. But that's my kind of humor. Yeah, no, I, I, a lot of those songs I wrote just kind of coming out of college. And uh, yeah, I have one called Your Tax Dollars at Work. I was just going to bring that up next. Yeah, those were kind of tough sells. They're great songs. Like they, They're the songs that really bring a point home. Thanks, man. Yeah, I I, I really liked uh, doing those more socially. Like a song like uh, um, She's Always a Bitch Anyway. Yeah. That's like low-hanging fruit compared to... to oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, and now you watch like South Park and they'll be like going way further than that. So it's not even like the shock value is really there anymore, you know? Yeah, I mean, that shock value is never really something that you can rely on because eventually you're going to look old hat. Well, um, I had a song. I don't know if I ever played it because I don't know if the, the Timney Suite was ready for it. But uh, when the Knack came out with My Sharona and Good Girls Don't, and I always thought to myself, why don't. You know, I, I really like that those poppy, misogynistic Doug Figer songs, and I wrote a song, sort of like to make fun of that called "I Just Want to Fuck Your Brains Out," because basically that's <laughs> what he wanted to say, but he wasn't coming out and saying it. That's funny. And yeah, I was, I was yeah. a bartender at the time at uh, Something's Fishy in Woodland Hills, and I was like a fly on the wall at a lot of like a lot of conversations be- between couples sitting at the bar. You know, and talking about, like, just making small talk, but, you know, the subtext was always, I just want to, I just want to fuck your brains out. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, the lyrics were, uh, uh, what's the second verse? Song? I don't care, oh, I don't care too much for small talk. I don't care if you can't dance. I don't care what kind of car you drive. I don't care what, where you buy your pants. I don't care what your sign <laughs> is. I know you don't care what mine is. I just want to make it perfectly clear what I'm talking about. I just want to fuck your brains out. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, yeah, especially because there's so many songs in rock and roll, like White Snake, that had like, I think it was White Snake. Was, Let me put my love into you, babe. Yeah, that was like, double entendres. Yeah, yeah. It's like, why don't you just have a song? It's like, I want to put my dick in your vagina. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, or kiss. You know, lick it up. Whoa, well, wow, I wonder what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, uh, yeah, and yeah, then we have no, the Me that's, Too that's movement, funny. so you really can't sing songs like that. I guess not. Yeah, uh, unless the Me Too movement was like, "Hey, want to go to bed?" Yeah, Me Too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Kiss would last even two seconds in that. They'd be like a fish out of water or something. I think they they were like uh, Me Five or something. <laughs> me, 
to the tenth power. <laughs> Beat me five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I'm sure all those rock bands just kind of got a pass on all that stuff, like Motley Crue and everything, because maybe they were just doing it earlier, or, or people just don't expect rock bands to be gentlemen's. But um, here's something to think about. You know, the big one still might might hit, and um, California may become beachfront. I mean, uh, Las Las Vegas may become beachfront property, and uh, that's too hot wow. there. So. Pennsylvania, like where I live now, Philadelphia, has actually got an up and like a growing film community. So if things get rough out there and you want to move to Philly, you know, and yeah, uh, just you know, want to need to cast like an old guy in one of your projects, just keep me in mind. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, well, let's hope let's hope I get a chance to do a bunch of filmmaking because I really enjoy it. Well, What's I like the concept of the highway, man. That's very funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I guess I'm kind of doing with uh, with with film stuff what I used to do with songs. You know, it's the same deal. Yeah, and it's, but it gives you even more of a clay to to sculpt with. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you could throw the music in there too. Yeah, because I was trying to do a song where, like, what if there was a guy who was trying to wear his heart out on his sleeve and do uh, Neil Diamond or James Taylor or Billy Joel or that type of thing, but he really sucks at it. That's kind of what I was trying to do. <laughs> right. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do with this film stuff, too, like the cooking thing. You know, it's like I'm trying to be like all these people on YouTube that are teaching everybody to cook, but I just suck at it. Yeah, but you know what? And I don't. I don't know if everybody would notice this, but mm -hmm. like I totally get it. Where you intentionally edit it badly too, like all oh, of a sudden yeah. it jumps to this. <laughs> oh yeah, I love that no, you do that. No, it's really funny because like you'll watch the real ones and people do that. They'll they'll put the camera on them and then they'll sit there for ten seconds before they even say anything. It's like why didn't you just cut that part out? And then. <laughs> And then, or they'll cut themselves off, you know, they'll just do some really bad editing. Yeah, so, so the I fact that you do it intentionally is not lost yeah. on me. Like, I, there's no doubt in my mind, yeah. like, Henry did that on purpose. That That's the Oh, laugh. yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. Where a lot of yeah, people will watch it and at first not know if you did or not. Like, I knew right away, I'm like, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, as long as there's people out there taking themselves seriously, there'll be a job for guys like you and me to make <laughs> fun of this stuff. That's what's great about it. Yeah, you were a bartender at the... Uh, weren't you a bartender at some other part over on, on Ventura? I went Well, after Jerry's Deli, I went to uh, the Starlight Room, you know, in Tahunga and Moore yeah. Park next to Henry's Taco. Yeah. Right next to your taco stand. Uh, that's right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I that doesn't seem like that long ago. When would that have been? Well, I moved back here in 2005, and I worked at the Starlight Room right up until I two weeks before I left. So, oh, okay, this, wow. So that wasn't really that long ago. So nah, I might have seen you there. Not terribly. Somewhere long. around the early 2000s, but that's still. I mean, we're talking 20 years coming up on you know. So wow, that's pretty crazy. Oh, you but, know what I forgot to bring up. I forgot to mention sure. um, Silicon Valley. I saw you on Silicon Valley. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. How, how about how they find you for that? From the kitchen show originally, because uh, 
Mike Judge, the creator of that show, is a big fan of the Henry's Kitchen thing. I'll be damned. And um, yeah, he still is. And uh, so I think that it was sort of like, um, can you just come on and do that? Basically, just do that same type of guy. And I was like, sure. And I, it was it was hard for me because I've never acted in such a big project like that. I mean, it's one of my favorite shows anyway, and it's HBO. So I was like really nervous going in. But yeah, once I started doing the lines and feeling like I was doing that kitchen character, it felt very at home. Yeah, talk about being typecast, but yeah, I couldn't yeah, ask totally. a, for like a better person to do that role of John. <laughs> <laughs> that's, oh, that's great. Thanks, man. Yeah, no, I, I was really happy with how it was received. And then people started going to my kitchen videos that were fans of Silicon Valley and going, oh, wow, it's John from Silicon Valley. So uh -huh. yeah, that was really a lot of fun. Well, you have you want to do any shame, shameless uh, self promotion uh, to well, wrap it up? Um, if anybody's interested, what I'm doing now is Patreon for my Henry's Kitchen. The, the only way I've been able to keep Henry's Kitchen going for all these years, because YouTube doesn't give you any money, they give you like a third of a penny for every thousand views or something ridiculous like that. So I finally put it on Patreon, and the way that works is it's if you picture like Kickstarter, but it's just a small amount of money, like a dollar every video. So for every month, it's a dollar over a long period of time. So that way, I have a few hundred people on there that help support, and you can support at whatever level that you want. And uh, so that's so I have Henry. It's called Patreon.com/slash Henry's Kitchen, and uh, that's that's the way that I keep this thing going. So if anybody's interested, they can check that out or. Just go to henryphillips.com and you can usually see pretty much anything that I'm up to. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, I was thinking about doing a Patreon myself, but you know, I there's so many people like that deserve that dollar subscription fee, so I, I didn't want to like compete for those dollars. So yeah, guys, yeah, go to Henry uh, <laughs> patreon.com slash Henry's Kitchen and uh, give it no, give a dollar a video to Henry. It's pretty great for podcasts, you know, just to uh well, you know what I'd like to do, Henry? I'd really actually like to get a sponsor to pay for this, like Diodario String. I've been playing guitar for, you know, and, and I'm still oh, I'm still actively gigging. So why wouldn't, like, Roland or Boss or Epiphone, like, all the gear that I use, I, I would hope that maybe I could approach a sponsor at some point and say, you know, I got this podcast. I'm talking to, like, really great people and getting some really good stuff. And and I, I, I could be influential in getting you know, selling your guitars or selling That'd your pedals. That would be great. Maybe so, you could try, I thought about doing this for my kitchen pages, just do the negative version where you call up the Adario and just say, hey, I'm, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to start trashing you guys unless you pay me some money. <laughs> <laughs> so you just threaten them. <laughs> Blackmail the Adario strings. Well. <laughs> I'm going to start telling everybody that you suck unless you give me five dollars. They will episode. force me to endorse Elixir. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. I'm sorry, it's out of my the hands Adarios now. I'm going to have to start using episode. Elixir strings because you just don't want to yeah. cooperate, boys. I got Ernie Ball on the other line. <laughs> I don't know if there's a guy named Ernie Ball or not. That is funny. That's a great idea. <laughs> I'm going to start trashing your club. Anyway, it was great talking to you today, Henry. Absolutely, Hal. Good to talk to you. Good catching up, man. COVID-19. 
I've been sitting here in quarantine While the nightly news tells deadly tales of COVID-19 COVID-19, COVID-19 Could you spare some hydroxychloroquine? Cause I think that I've got COVID-19 Well, I hope Henry and I helped you get through some of the self-isolation doldrums That little snippet in the beginning was from a live performance at Go Bananas Comedy Club in Cincinnati. There's a link to it on the show notes page, along with links to Henry Phillips' website, more of Henry's music, and videos. That little Godzilla clip in the beginning was inspired from a meme that uh, has been passed around Facebook, and I thought it would be cool to create an audio version of it. So yeah, I kind of stole that. I have no idea where it originated. Thanks for listening, commenting, and sharing at talesoftheroadwarriors.com slash Henry Phillips. Oh, and please subscribe to the newsletter so I can keep you posted on upcoming guests like Ted Barron and Esra Mohawk. Now, this is usually where I tell you I'm going for a drive and I play a little bit of I'm going for a drive. But today instead, uh, I think because uh, everybody's been uh, cooped up, I want to do something a little bit different. So I want to play... A different song of mine. It's called Johnny Needs to Get Laid. He's always staring into space and his temper's always hot. He's ready to explode more often than not. He's also aware of what he hasn't got. He's always drinking out the seltzer and his nerves are shot. Johnny needs to get laid. Johnny needs to get laid Overworked, underpaid Johnny needs to get laid I don't think Johnny's had a girlfriend for a couple of years I bet when he gets home from work each night he bursts into tears Cause somewhere deep inside there's a hell of a guy Right now he scares all his friends and he's wondering why Johnny needs to get laid Johnny needs to get laid Johnny needs to get laid He's stressed out The people that he works with always talk behind his back I think he's brought it on himself because he never gives them slack He's got a pretty smile, I've seen him good once or twice He hasn't smiled in a while now, in fact he's hardly ever nice Have you noticed Johnny lately? Yeah, what's his problem? But I think he's gonna have a coronary if you don't calm his ass down. Uh, here he comes. If you're thinking that the song was written about you, hey baby, just for the record, you can call me Johnny too. Johnny needs to get laid. Johnny needs to get laid. Overworked, underpaid. Johnny needs to get laid. Johnny Stressed out.